0: Hey, students. Y'all are wearing the same shirt. Nice. Looking good there. Is that like camel color? Is that what they call that? Something like that? Is that the cool color right now that I should know about? Good stuff. Job fun? Yeah. Hey, that sounds pretty good. Did you, did you sleep? That's what I thought. Okay, good. Fun, yes. Sleep, no. All right. Um, well, we got to make sure we keep them awake this morning, right, if they haven't slept. Um, uh, I appreciate uh, the reading of the scripture by Levana um, and, and thankful for this story. How many of you guys are, like, very familiar with this story? You'd say this is, like, you're really familiar. You've heard it, probably taught, preached, you know, maybe a dozen times, if not a hundred, right? Um, I don't think that we're going to unearth anything from this, this thing this morning that, that's like, wow, this is completely new. I mean, maybe that's a letdown. Okay. let uh, we'll start on the very front end. But but let's be honest, this is a this is a story that I would I, I can't prove this, but I'd say it's maybe the most well-known parable in all of scripture. Uh, it's very well known. And and even people outside of the church, people who are not believers, they know this parable. They really like this parable. Um it, it's in, it's interesting, it's insightful. But there's some things that we do want to look at today in in light of it. And uh, when, <coughs> when Jesus told parables, which, I mean, he was a master storyteller, right? And, and we know in our own lives that stories really help us get a handle on truth. Um, they stick, if you will. And so sometimes we'll hear a story from somebody, and, and we might not remember much of what we said to them or what they said to us, but we will remember the story uh, because stories have a sticking power. And that's God created us as these people who really are story-formed people. And, in fact, the the story of God, which Scripture tells, you know, is this one massive story of God's redemptive work. And we talked about that in the first week of this Missio Day teaching series, this equipping series, because we said, you know, all of the things that we do are rooted in this fact that we're part of God's grand story and that God's the center of the story. Hey, kids, I don't know if you know this, but you are not the center of the world. Adults, you are not the center of the world, Right. I'm not the center, of the wor- we're not the center of the world. God is the center of the world, and everything has to orient itself around God. In fact, our Christian life is all about learning to reorient ourselves around who's really in charge, who's really on the throne, who's really running the show, right? But what's beautiful is that this God who's the center of all things cares about us. He, he doesn't just care about us, he's crazy about us. He's in love with us. And it's not just words or warm, fuzzy emotions, it's action demonstrated through the person of Jesus coming as the first and greatest missionary to rescue us. And I don't want to get over that. stirs my heart still to stop and to consider that that is the God that we just sing about, who has no rival and has no equals, who forever will reign. And so this morning, as we look at this story, we want to see, obviously, what Jesus is trying to teach here, but um, there's something contextually going on that's important, because I think it's more an issue of motive in serving than it is the actual act of serving that is our challenge. If I can just be real honest about my own self. Maybe this is a message for me this morning. Well, hopefully every week is a message for me. I just get a head start on conviction, and then I get to share some of that and bring you all into it, right? So, a parable, one of the beautiful things about parables, as I said, they not only have staying power and sticking power, but uh, the way I've heard it through my life is that a parable first starts with a picture, it becomes a mirror, so we can actually see ourselves reflected in it, and then it becomes a window. Let me describe that briefly in that you have this story that tells, you know, this, this narrative that has these meaningful parts to it. And you can keep plumbing the depths of it. I mean, it's beautiful. The way Jesus taught, uh, there was there was significant things. And he would use, of course, um, stories that that were relevant to the people of his day. So if he was in the city, he would tell something about a city kind of situation, maybe about money changers. If he was in the country, he'd probably ta- tell more of a, an agricultural parable, right? And that's how he would help connect people with these truths. But... It became, became a story that would hopefully help them see themselves more clearly, too. To see God clearly and to see themselves more clearly, because there's a mirror. It's like a reflection. Oh, oh, wait. And that's why, like, when he would tell some of these parables, especially to the religious leaders, they'd get pretty ticked off. Did you know, kids, that Jesus ticked people off? He made them pretty angry. In fact, they, they killed him. Right? Because he kept saying these things that really offended <laughs> them, and he wasn't just trying to be mean, he was trying to reveal the heart, right? He was trying to uncover what was going on below this religious um, system that was in play at that time when he came onto the the earth, And, but then it becomes a window in that once you take that parable and you begin to reflect on it yourself, you begin to start to see that you can look out that window and and there's a way you see the world differently through that truth that's being taught. And it's helpful to think of it that way, right? Um, Because these weren't literal stories, but they could have referred to some literal stories. They could have referred to some things that happened. He could have actually been pulling it from situations and circumstances he saw around him. And in this particular one, we notice um, what we wanna draw from is that it's specifically around this, uh, this this Good Samaritan that's why it's called the parable of the Good Samaritan, and but that parable is of course within a context of a conversation he's having with the religious leader. It says an expert in the law, but what he really means by that is an expert in theology, because he wasn't just talking about any law; he's talking about God's law. So he's really more like a seminary professor than he was a, a lawyer. Okay, and within that, uh, as we've been talking about living on God's mission, we've been saying that. God invites us in to join his mission, and there's some practical ways we can do that. And the first way we can do that is um, in terms of, after. and I'd say this, after we have put our trust in Christ and we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are now walking empowered by God as his children with this new identity, being a new creation in Christ, we now have the opportunity to join him, and we start in prayer. We start in just pursuing God in prayer, spending time with God in prayer, Uh, And as we spend time with God, we begin to think like he thinks and act like he would act and see people the way he would see people. Um, Have you noticed this, kids, that who you hang out with affects how you talk? Have you noticed that who you hang out with affects the things that you want to watch on television or you want to, you know, check out on social media or whatever? Uh, It affects you, doesn't it? And as we hang out with God... As um, we spend time with Jesus, and you're saying, well, not literally, he's not there, right? But, he, but yes, he is. And his presence, and we spend time in his word, we begin to talk about the things that matter to God. And that we get to think about the things that matter to God. We begin to see people the way that God sees people. And so we begin there in prayer because here's what I've learned, and I'm sure you probably have seen this in your own life, but every time we try to do great stuff for God without God, it never goes well. <laughs> and yet we are tempted. Uh, we get stirred we come to a church gathering we hear some teaching or some encouragement some command some instruction we're like man we're going to try really hard this week and we're going to go do this and we leave and by the time we before we even left the parking lot we've already failed right or we've struggled we've stumbled because we need God to do what he's called us to do but as we begin to 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 speak to seek the heart of God he will again begin to change us, transform us, and even empower us by his Holy Spirit. And we talked about the book of Acts, how it is such an amazing book of the early church, and that really you could, you could, you could summarize it as saying it's, it's sort of this highlight reel between prayer meetings of what God was doing as they would seek God in prayer, and then they'd go and act in obedience. And guess what? We get the opportunity to be part of that today if we want to, if we would choose to, to, to pray and seek God's face and then act in obedience in response to what he's saying. When we begin in prayer, we learn to listen. This one's a really hard. Anybody, I, I think I asked this that week, anybody good listeners? Anybody struggle with listening? But, and, and so listening to others, learning to, to, to like not just talk at people, but to, to, to draw them out, to learn to hear them. I, I wish I could share this one cool story that even this past week we heard from someone um, who's, who was learning in that. It, it's really, really neat to watch how God's working in that as we're trying to learn, have a posture of, of listening. And, and then we said last week, if you were here, um, that as we're not just listening to others and getting to know them and know their stories and even see where they have gaps in, 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 in their lives of, of faith or struggles, but we, we want to invite people to eat with us. We want to show hospitality. Uh, we want to be the most hospitable people uh, on planet Earth, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and Tim did a great job last week of just sharing a little bit about why we do that and and how we do that, okay? And uh, and so I hope that was an encouragement to you um, as we think about eating as a way of ministry, as a way of mission, which I like that because I like to eat. So if you can tie mission and eating together, that's a good thing, right? Um, But this week, we want to look at the practical act, which fits with the hospitality piece, which is just how do we serve the practical needs around us? Or, or sh- you know, why should we serve the practical needs around us? I guess is a better way to think of it. And in this passage, um, you will notice that Jesus tells this story about this, this guy. Um, and it doesn't start with him. It starts with a guy who has a need. In, f- in fact, a, a pretty severe need. I don't know how many of you on a daily basis pass someone or interact with someone, or see someone, encounter someone who has the kind of need that this guy did, right? Uh, He was beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of a road. Um, I don't know how many of you have a story where you came across someone in that kind of dire need. But this is pretty extreme, right? It wouldn't have actually been too uncommon in that day. This particular road described here was a place where robbers would stand, and they would kind of wait um, and ambush people. So they would have gotten that, but he's this guy in need. And then all of you guys can probably tell the story from here, right? First comes a pastor. The preacher comes by, and he sees it, and he's like, no, I'm not messing with that. Walks on the other side of the road. He's a really good pastor, right? Really good preacher. Um, Got to focus on t- teaching, right? And then the next person comes by. He's the worship leader. That's what I always the Levite, the worship leader, and he's going to, like, stay on the other side of the road, and keep going as well. And then it comes to the Good Samaritan, or just the Samaritan, which uh, I think we know this, but just so we don't jump over anything that's important in terms of uh, the significance of this, but, you know, this Samaritan would have been, you know, this is the the half-breeds in their minds. This would have been an outcast. This is someone you don't interact with, don't engage. You definitely look down on. They are not liked by the Jews at all. And this religious leader who he's telling the story to, when he hears that the Samaritan is the one who acts in kindness and mercy, I mean, that would have been just repulsive to him, right? Wait, what? You're trying to make the hero out to be the Samaritan? What? Like, it would have been really stunning for him in that moment. Remember, Jesus would offend people by using these things, right, to kind of drive home a point. And the good Samaritan doesn't just see the man who's in his dire need. He moves toward him. He bandages him. He helps him. He gets him to a place where he can be helped. He pays for it out of his own pocket, right? He, he cares for this guy who is a total stranger to him in this terrible situation, and he, and he cares for him in such a way that it had to have made this legal law-abiding theologian, um, really uncomfortable in how this was described. And there's just a few things that we can draw from this that are very practical. Like, right, every day you are going to come across people who have needs, okay? You're going to come across people who have needs, and maybe it won't be as dire as this one was, but we can say that in our lives there's going to be people who have needs of uh, they're fighting illness, and and they just need someone to care for them. Maybe they're 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 fighting the needs of loneliness, and you can just be a person who's present in their life. Which one of the greatest things we can do as Christ followers sometimes is just to show up and shut up and be present. What I'm saying in that, like I don't mean that to be harsh, but like sometimes we don't even need to talk. We just need to be with people and be present. Uh, there's going to be needs around us all the time, and. And we'll be confronted with the choice, are we gonna engage with that need or are we going to disengage with that need, right? So that, that's something that we could definitely say is here. The other thing that we could say is that um, the way Jesus describes this loving your neighbor as yourself, you know, is, is uncomfortable to say the least. And it's sacrificial. Uh, this guy, again, he has to cross over into uh, potentially a dangerous situation are there other are there guys waiting to ambush him too? You know, I mean, could that happen? Um, there's a lot of factors in this, right? So we could spend all of our time kind of talking about that and basically say, this week, here's what we want. Everybody in the room, I want you to go look for the needs you see around you. I want you to get uncomfortable and go serve those needs. And we want to be the Good Samaritan this week. All right, ready? Break, let's go. You want know to do that? Uh, I'm not saying it's wrong to call us to that. I'm saying if you're like me, it's not going to last very long (laughs) uh, in terms of the fuel to actually serve in that way. So let's let's zoom out for just a second, because in this story, as I said, it's within a context. And the context is this legal guy, this religious guy who is asking Jesus a question. How do I inherit eternal life? So how do we go from how do I inherit eternal life to the good Samaritan (laughs) parable? Well, you can see the progression here, right? He says, how do I inherit eternal life? Which, by the way, he assumes you can just, you know, inherit that. But there's something in his, he's trying to trap Jesus, and he's trying to get Jesus to say something, well, just follow me. Just follow me, and it'll all be good. And that would be blasphemous, right? Because it would be like denying the, the law, which these people held to so strongly. But Jesus, which is beautiful, and we talked about this in the listening week, he doesn't just answer the guy's question. What does he do? He asks a question. He asks a question. He says, well, you're the expert. Like, what do you think? What do you think about this? And notice what happens in the, in the passage. What, um, this guy now answers it, and he does so with probably a lot of, of zeal and confidence uh, because he's like, I got this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, you're correct. You're correct. Do this, and you will live. You will will have eternal life, right? But wanting to justify himself, and this is really the key of this entire passage. This little verse right here, this this little phrase, but wanting to justify himself. This is the linchpin, and I didn't see this when I was younger because I watched the Veggie Tales version of this, right? And it just you just you just help the people in need, and you just be a good person. That's what Christians should do. We just are be, we just be good people, just do good stuff, serve people. But notice what was in the heart of this man that's un- uncovered here. Do you know what the word justify means? To to be made right. And what this guy wanted was. To be made right, because <laughs> he now, the tables had been flipped. No longer was he trapping Jesus, but Jesus had made him walk into a trap. And Jesus begins to tell a story about the scenario of what it means to actually love your neighbor as yourself. To love a neighbor. And he act, because this guy asks a question, he says, who's my neighbor? Like, all right, smarty pants, right? Like, who's my neighbor? Let's make this harder. And Jesus paints this picture that we all know. Now, the reason (coughs) I'm even bringing that up to you this morning is because when I read this passage this week, I was reflecting on it. I realized that most of the serving that I've done in my life has been to try to, to justify myself before God. Can I just be honest that a lot of the reason that I was kind to others, Good to others, looking to serve others. Looking, listen, catch this, to share the gospel with others was to get a better standing with God. And I had to confess that that's not the right motivation. In fact, it's a very wrong motivation. And maybe that doesn't resonate with you this morning, but in my own heart, as we look at this passage. Um, I think the key to unlocking the kind of heart that the Good Samaritan showed and demonstrated in this parable is to first understand that we are the robber on the side of the road who God rescued by his great mercy for us, who crossed over the barrier, who sacrificially gave and invested so that we could find healing and that we could be restored. Are, Are you still with me? Because... I think the challenge for us this morning is not so much that we don't see the needs around us, and I think the challenge for us this morning is not that we aren't even moved by some of those needs. It's that we've forgotten just how needy we were before a holy God and how broken and how messed up we were when he came and rescued us and met us in our need. And here's this legal expert who wanted to justify himself. He wanted to trap Jesus. He wanted to make Jesus out. And Jesus is saying, you can't do what the law requires, which is to love God fully and to love people as yourself. You can't do it. In fact, you won't do it because of your laws. You won't do it. But praise God, God does it. Praise God, Jesus did it. And he demonstrates for us what it looks like to serve. Um, I'm stunned um, when I stop and think about another story in Scripture that, re- that reflects this heart of Jesus to be the lead servant, to be the example, example for us in serving. Um, you guys probably remember this, and you could recount this story as well. There was a moment where Jesus was on his final little time with his disciples. And he was in an upper room. And in that moment with his disciples in the upper room on the eve of his arrest, uh, he does something that's absolutely crazy. He gets down on his hands and knees and he washes his disciples, horrifically stinky, smelly, right? Right? feet, and he demonstrates for them what, <laughs> what we can only aspire to. As he takes the lowest form of the servant, and he moves around the room, washing the disciples' feet, knowing what's about to happen to him, and, and he even washed Judas' feet, Think about that. He even washed the man's feet who was about to betray him to be arrested. And at the end of that whole thing, you know what he said? He said, just as I have served you, you go and serve others. What I'm saying to myself and to you this morning is that if we are going to be people who serve our neighbors, If we are going to be people who live on mission with God, intangibly meeting and serving the needs around us, then we need God to remind us with a fresh vision of how he has served us. So that we we, we can't help but serve others, that we overflow with service for others. There are some awesome people in this room. I have seen some amazing acts of service come out of this body. Of believers here, this family. We have benefited from some of those acts of service. I've been stunned by them at times generosity and serving in so many ways. And I'm praying that God would continue to spur us on, to stir us on to greater ways of just serving and loving so that people could not only hear the gospel, but they could see the gospel at work. That they could actually see tangibly the love of Christ demonstrated for them. In in reality, we could serve the needs of our neighbors and the people in our city, and I hope we are, but did you know we could actually serve all those needs and still be a bunch of (laughs) smucks? But my prayer is that we would not be smucks, but we would be humble, overwhelmingly humble, just lovers of Jesus and lovers of people um, as we consider what Christ has done for us. We don't serve our neighbors to convert them. We serve our neighbors because we've been converted. We don't try to share the gospel with our neighbors because we're supposed to do that. We do it because we have been saved and rescued. And when that switch is flipped, when we begin to look at Christ upward, like the fear that contends to to keep us away from our neighbors, the the fear of rejection, the insecurity, like it begins to fade because our eyes are on him. Listen to the words (coughs) of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I think this is spot on with what we just said in this passage. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace through faith, not because we serve our neighbors, not because we share the gospel, not because we're awesome, not because we read our Bibles, not because we pray, not because we go to a church gathering on Sunday or a part of a life group. We are saved by grace, the grace of God, the beautiful grace. Redemptive grace of God, knowing that our greatest attempts to save ourselves are like, (laughs) not even close. It says our righteousness is like filthy rags. But God has saved us, and we can't justify ourselves as that young lawyer was trying to do. But we can receive by faith the gift of salvation. And here's what's amazing. Listen to this. Verse 10 follows. He says, for we are creation, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. So we are not saved by works, but we are saved for good works because the salvation that we have received doesn't stop with us. Right. We now are invited to participate in the work of Jesus in the world. Um, the Good Samaritan story is a great story. Um, it's uncomfortable, really, when you, r- when you read it and you try to think, like, how do I, who am I in the story? But I think we have to first see ourselves as a robber on the side of the road before we can ever start to actually live as the Good Samaritan in our daily lives, in our, in our work, workplaces, our neighborhoods, the places where we hang out on a daily basis. Um, Thankfully, God knows our tendency is to try to justify ourselves. Thankfully, God knows that our tendency is to try to save ourselves by good works. And (coughs) he's just merciful and gracious and 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 compassionate. But he also calls us to remember. He calls us to remember who he is and what he's done for us. Um, so if you are like me and you've been struggling, I could tell you lots of stories this morning, but I really want just to reflect on that. But if, if you have been like me who struggled to see the needs of, of others around you and care and actually move towards those needs, uh, the message this morning isn't just, hey, quit being lazy. Go do something. The message is consider what Christ has done for you and let him Change your heart towards people. Let him empower you and and strengthen you and encourage you to move by faith outwardly towards others. Um, Because there's lots of needs around us, aren't there? Uh, One thing that we've talked about in this whole beginning by prayer is when you start to pray, God will reveal things to you. He will show you things. And in our own neighborhood, God has been doing that um, for me and for, for my family is just showing us the needs of people around us. And uh, there have been some times where it's been really inconvenient. You know what I'm talking about? Like, usually serving is inconvenient. Um, But every time that I've been in that moment and I've felt like this is an inconvenient moment to go drive my neighbor to the the doctor's office right now, um, God reminds me again that it's not about me. And that it's his grace that has gifted me that opportunity to show them his, his love. So we want to be people who pray. We want to be people who listen. We want to be people who host people in our homes, and we serve them, and we use our, all use our gifts to, to bless people in that way. And we want to be people who serve the needs of others practically. Um, again, as I said earlier, I, I think it's been awesome to watch the beautiful part of this body where I've gotten to see some of that happen, to see some of that in motion, and I'm so thankful for that. So, so thankful for that. Um, even this morning, having a conversation with someone who wants to help a family they don't even know. And just to meet practical needs there. Um, that's awesome, guys. And it's for the glory of Jesus. It's not for the glory of ourselves. So let me pray for us this morning that we would be able to reflect and remember that we, um, we were saved by grace. Grace. And let's just celebrate that together this morning. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of salvation. Um, Father, I thank you that we couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. I uh, Thank you, Jesus, for uh, seeing us on the side of the road, beaten, broken. Really, the, the crazy part about it is we were dead. And yet you came and gave us life. And it required so much of you being uncomfortable and even paying all the price of our restoration. I just thank you for that, Jesus. Um, Father, I pray that our heart posture as this church family would be to serve the needs of others as we first come to you and just listen to you and learn from you and follow your spirit's promptings and leadings. Um, We pray for our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our family members who don't know you, Jesus. And I pray that they would see and experience, like the scripture says, that we would let our light shine before men. They would see our good works and glorify you, Jesus. We pray for that, we ask for that. We pray that we would take the posture of being willing to become the servant of all, take up a towel even, and put it around our waist and wash feet, maybe not literally, but figuratively, we would take that kind of posture in a world of self-promotion, God, that we would just say we want to serve in whatever ways you call us to. We ask for help to do that because it's hard. So, in this space this morning, encourage every person, remind them how loved they are. Remind me how loved I am, God, bef- and then help us to be people of love. I pray this in your name, Jesus, amen. Um, we're going to sing and, and reflect um, in this, but, you know, I, I hope and pray that for all of us, we yeah we can just take some time to listen to what the spirit's saying what God is saying and and then respond in obedience uh, and and whatever that that looks like for you it might not be the same as someone else but God is always speaking and he's always calling us to obey um, and and that's the the beauty of walking with him in a dynamic relationship right and so I don't know where your heart is this morning maybe you need to Confess, like, God, I haven't even thought about the needs of my neighbors lately. Um maybe you've had moments and you had the opportunity and you just turned the other <laughs> way. Um again, this isn't a guilt trip. This is just, hey, like our hearts postured in the right way. And if 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 they're not, like, let's say Jesus just rescue us again, like overwhelm us again <laughs> with our with where we are in our hearts before you. and um, But you respond, and, and if, if, if by chance you came this morning and you're actually not a Christ follower, you, you've never <laughs> surrendered your life to Christ, like if you've never you know, come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you uh, to save me, uh, this is a, a space to do that too. Um, and we invite you to do that, okay? Mm-hmm. But let's just respond as God leads us.